أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا مولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وضرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد الحمد لله ما شاء الله الله تعالى gave us tawfiq to reach this mubarak second night of Ramadan and to have opened our first fast Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted from us from Ummah Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, give us the tawfiq to fast all the rest of uh, the days Ameen. of Ramadan and those who missed them to make them up. Ameen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept our standing in our prayer, Ameen. our fasting, all of our good deeds Ameen. and rectify through it uh, that which is broken uh, in ourselves and in the Ummah Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So inshallah we'll start uh, reading from the Kashf al-Mahjub of uh, Ali, uh, Sayyid Ali Hajwiri rahimahullah ta'ala which uh, we read from in the past uh, from time to time it's probably one of the more abstruse uh, uh, texts that we've had in Ramadan late night majlis for those who've been listening for a while um, and one of the reasons is it's one of the first texts on the topic of tasawwuf that was written. So before starting uh, to read, I wanted to mention a couple of things. I remember in the Khanqah when I asked my Sheikh for uh, permission to read this book, he said you can read it if you find benefit in it, you know, start reading if you find benefit, you can keep reading, uh, and if not, just put it down. And so after reading a while, I asked him, I said, can I ask some questions? He said, sure. I said, uh, um, a lot of the things that they describe in this book don't seem to exist anymore in the Ummah. It seems to be describing something very different than what we consider Tasawwuf today. And he said, uh, he said part of that is because people's um, capacity to do things has diminished uh, with the passage of time. But he said that uh, none of the things that you'll find in, in this book are like invalid or irrelevant. So talking about you know, talking about the idea of, for example, praying tahajjud until, uh, or praying tahajjud and praying taraweeh until the time of suhoor, talking about those people who used to make khatam of Qur'an one after the other, and people whose nafil awrad were like to pray like a hundred rak'ahs every night, etc. Uh, a, those people existed. B, it wasn't a waste of time. It had some effect on people. And that effect was tangible. You see it in people. And so this is from that age. So that age is gone now. Now the awrad that people used to say uh, in the thousands and hundreds, now they say in like ten and one. I heard my Shaykh Rahim, Allah, I give him long life. I heard him say that. He said that the discount weird. If you can't do anything else, just say all the adhkar one time each. If you come to me with an excuse afterward that you can't even do that, then there's something else going on here. This is not, maybe this is not for you or this is not what you really want to do with your life. Uh, uh, but uh, so it's, it's good, it's good, it's good. There's... Uh, a doctrine that says that if you know what the path is in front of you, like you look on the map, it's a journey of a thousand miles, you have, you're on mile like two right now, there's still some benefit in knowing what's ahead. Uh, and so with that intention we, uh, we read, and if you hear something crazy or something like really like, like what was that all about, don't, don't feel bad. Uh, some of these things are really, uh, they're from a people who are far more advanced in their suluk than, than, than many of us will ever be, people like myself. So this is the, uh, we're going to read from the uh, 14th chapter uh, of Nicholson's translation uh, concerning the doctrine held by the different, uh, the different paths of the Sufis. 
Meaning what? Every sheikh, sheikh is like uh, a, a preceptor. He's the one who helps a person in their suluk to reach their, their, their goal. So the guy who's a bus driver will tell you about the buses. The guy who's a, you know, at the, you know, works at the airport will tell you about the air, airplanes. The guy who works at Midway will tell you about Southwest. The guy who works at O'Hare will tell you about United or American. Uh, the guy who works at Amtrak will tell you about the train. The guy who uh, you know, does Uber will tell you how to take a car. Uh, the, the goal is the same, the destination is the same, and the, the, the ways there are different. Woman, uh, he says, So he's now talking about the tip, t- typical differences amongst the great mashaykh of the, the, the era in which uh, the soul started to be documented first. What were their dispositions uh, and what, what different methods they took to reach the path? Uh, the destination and the path. The point of this is not. Uh, the point of this is not just to tell stories like Asatir al-Awwalin type stuff because it's Ramadan, um, but maybe somebody will see something that makes sense to them and something that appeals to them more. Uh, and so, if you're a bird, try. You know, you're made to fly. You don't need to beat yourself up if you're not good at swimming, unless you're a penguin, right? And if you're a, if you're a fish, you don't need to beat yourself up. You know, for not uh, flying. Uh, rather, everybody will find the 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 mode that's easy for them and uh, that, that pays off for them. Maybe they don't know what that is, so they can try something of like a couple, see what the choices, the options are in front of them, and maybe there'll be some benefit in it. So Shaykh Rahimullah Ta'ala says, I've already stated in the notice of Abul Hassan Nuri uh, that the Sufis are divided into 12 different uh, groups, uh, two of which are reprobated and 10 of which are approved. So he says he describes t- 12 different groups that are uh, ra'ij, that are prominent um, two of which he says they're completely off their off the path. They're off their rocker. We don't we don't approve of this. Uh, he acknowledges that they exist, but they they've they've kind of gone off the rails. Um, uh, but ten of them are within the uh, uh, within the Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah. Every one of these uh, ten groups has a an excellent system and doctrine in regards to birth purgation, mujahada, struggling against the self, and contemplation, mushahada. So he has this dichotomy between the two of them. Mujahada is you actively striving to get to your path. Mushahada is you noticing Allah Ta'ala taking you there. Uh, and so he, he talks about all these concepts in, in greater detail. And they're, it's really fascinating, the discussions. Although they differ from each other in their devotions, practices, and ascetic disciplines, they agree in the fundamentals and derivatives of the religious law and unification. Religious law being the sharia, that you have to follow the sharia, and unification means what? This is Nicholson translating Tawheed. You have to have correct aqidah. You have to, you have, to have correct aqidah. So, uh, interestingly enough, if you read this book, you'll find actually many of the, uh, many of the old mashaykh of the tariqah, not only are they uh, people of Kalam, but th- many of them are the other people as well. The people who don't like Kalam at all, they're Hanabila, uh, uh, and their names actually show up in the the turuq of the different uh, uh, Sufi paths, and they have some of the harshest anti-Kalam uh, opinion, some of them. Sheikh uh, Ismail Al Harawi, Rahimullah Taala, being probably the most clear, uh, um, the most clear example of that. Uh, whose Manazil Sa'irin, Ibn uh, Ibn Qayyim wrote his Madaj Salikin as uh, on top of. Uh, he was super anti-Kalam, uh, but he, you can't say he was a Sufi. He's like one of the like. 
kind of like top alpha mutasawifa. Uh, uh, so uh, w- the point is, is what they were concerned with aqidah, whatever their positions were. Uh, I definitely cast my lot in with the mutakallimun. I feel like they did a bit better job at whatever it is, is that they, they that they did. But the uh, atharis, there are they are a strain of or a way of conceiving of aqidah that's within the ahl sunnah. And at any rate, both of them, neither of them were people who disavowed the path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Abu Yazid, Bayazid Bustami, he'll talk about him a little bit later. And we talked about him in the past in the uh, late night majlis. He said, uh, disagreement of uh, the mashaykh, of the ulama, is a mercy except for uh, as regards to uh, tajreed, detachment from this world, and tawheed, unification. You miss it in the in the translation. Tajrid and Tawheed that rhymes in Arabic in the translation you say detachment and unification. It sounds a little bit more dry, right? But uh, like you should be detached from the world. Whoever disagrees with that, this is not a mercy. And uh, whoever disagrees with regards to their aqidah, this is not a mercy. The rest of the individual Messiah, the Sharia, the difference of the opinion of the ulama, there's some khair in it, inshallah. And there's a famous tradition to the same effect. The real essence of Sufism lies amidst the tradition, the akhbar of the mashaykh, uh, and is divided only metaphorically and formally. So he's saying in reality it's all one, but it's divided only metaphorically and formally. Uh, therefore, I, therefore I will briefly divide their sayings and explanations of Sufism and unfold the main principle on which the doctrine of each of them is based in order that the student may readily understand this matter. So the first path he typifies by the path of the Sheikh uh, 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 Abu Abdullah Harith uh, al-Muhasibi, uh, who's one of the early, also one of the early authors in Tasawwuf, uh, and uh, he'll, he'll kind of talk about what, what typifies his approach to suluk. They are the followers of Abu Abdullah al-Harith bin Asad al-Muhasibi, who by the consent of all of his contemporaries was a man of approved spiritual influence and mortified passions, meaning maqbul al-nafas and maqtul al-nafs. His, literally his breaths were accepted, meaning everything he did seemed to have tawfiq from Allah Ta'ala, and his nafs, his ego was like dead. Uh, um, he was versed in theology, jurisprudence, aqidah, fiqh, and tasawwuf, and mysticism, which is a, a, a Nicholson word here. Uh, he discoursed on detachment from the world and on tawheed, on aqidah, while his outward and inward dealings with God were beyond reproach. The peculiarity of his doctrine is this, uh, that he does not reckon satisfaction uh, amongst the stations, uh, but includes it with the states. Stations are those things that once they enter, they change you permanently. Uh, and the states are something that comes and goes. That, that being pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he doesn't consider this to be a station that a person passes, but a state that comes and goes with the person. He was the first to hold this view, which was adopted by the people of Khurasan afterward. The people of Iraq, on the contrary, asserted that satisfaction is one of the stations, and it is a form of extreme trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, tawakkul. The controversy between them has gone on to the present day. Discourse on the true nature of satisfaction of rida and the explanation of this doctrine. In the first place, I will establish the true nature of satisfaction, uh, 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 what it is, and set it forth in its various kinds. Then secondly, I will explain the real meaning of the word station, maqam versus state or hal, and the difference between them. Satisfaction is of two kinds. A, the satisfaction of God with man, and B, the satisfaction of man with God. 
Divine satisfaction really consists in God's willing that man should be recompensed for his good work and in his bestowing grace or karamat, uh, karamat upon them, grace upon them. Human satisfaction really consists in man's performing the command of God and submitting to his decree. Accordingly, the satisfaction of God precedes that of man, for until man is divinely aided, he does not submit to God's decree and does not perform uh, his command because man's satisfaction is connected with God's satisfaction and subsists thereby. In short, human satisfaction is equanimity, uh, meaning your heart is not, it doesn't change regardless of what happens. Uh, equanimity toward fate, uh, whether it withholds or bestows, and spiritual steadfastness, istiqamat, in regards to events, whether they be the manifestation of the divine beauty or divine majesty, jamal or jalal, so that it is all one to a man, whether he is consumed in the fire of wrath or illuminated by the light of mercy, because both wrath and mercy are uh, evidences of God, and whatever proceeds from God is good in his eyes. Obviously, again, like I said, they were... They were hardcore back then, so they said stuff like this. The commander of the faithful, Hussein bin Ali, who was asked about the saying of Abu Dhar al-Ghifari, I love poverty better than riches and sickness better than health. You notice that he look, he refers to Sayyidina Hussein as Amir al-Mu'mineen. Um, this is one of the interesting things that, uh, you know, if a person wants to accuse the Ahl-Sunnah of not loving the Ahl-Bayt, if you see that the way the old Mashaykh used to talk about them, uh, it's... Uh, you see that the, the, the claim is, is, is a wash. Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu anhu replied to him, right? So uh, he narrates that Abu Dhar al-Ghifari radiallahu anhu said, I love poverty better than riches and sickness better, better than health. Sayyidina Hussein replied radiallahu anhu, God have mercy on Abu Dhar, but I say, whoever surveys the excellent choice made by God for him does not desire anything except for what God has chosen for him. So Abu Dhar al-Ghifari radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he's hardcore. He said that the difficulty, I like it better than the ease. Sayyidina Hussain radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, well, that's good. But whatever Allah chooses for me. If Allah chooses for me ease, then that's more proper for me. Obviously, the author includes this quote because he considers Sayyidina Hussain's statement to be superior. Uh, even though there's great khair in both of them. When a man sees God's choice and abandons his own choice, he is delivered from all sorrow. This, however, does not withhold good, uh, or does not hold good in the absence uh, from God. It requires presence with God because satisfaction expels sorrows and cures heedlessness and purges the heart of thoughts relating to other than God and frees it from the bonds of tribulation, for it is a characteristic of satisfaction uh, uh, to deliver. Uh, this is one of the things that I love about this book and books like it. Because when you talk about being satisfied with the divine decree, generally the discussion revolves around us as individuals. And what is the first thing he said? He said, well, there's two aspects to it. We've got Allah Ta'ala's satisfaction with, with the slave and the slave's satisfaction with Allah Ta'ala. And he shows how the priority is actually with Allah Ta'ala, not with the slave. That's the secret of tasawwuf. It's not being like, look, I'm a good guy and now I'm pleased with everything Allah. No, it's... The idea that you recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the is is the is the the fulcrum around which the entire thing pivots. Just that recognition in and of itself is 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 like a majority of the uh, of the the path you have to traverse. The rest of it uh, is only uh, possible to be fulfilled once you uh, um, once you accept that and recognize that. From the standpoint of ethics, satisfaction is acquiescence uh, of one who knows 
uh, that giving and withholding are in God's knowledge and firmly believes that God sees him in all circumstances. There are four class, classes of quietists. Here is quietist. Not, he's not talking about politics. He's just talking about people who are happy with whatever Allah gives them. One, those who are satisfied with God's gift, which is gnosis, ma'rifah. Two, those who are satisfied with happiness, ni'mah, uh, uh, which is uh, this world. Three, those who are satisfied with affliction, bala, which consists of diverse uh, probations. And four, those who are satisfied with being chosen, uh, which is love or mahabba. He who looks away from the giver to the gifts accepts it with his nafs. Uh, when he uh, who has so accepted it, uh, 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 trouble and grief uh, vanish from his heart. He who looks away from the gift and to the giver loses the gift and treads the path of satisfaction by his own effort. Now effort is painful and grievous and gnosis is only realized when its true nature is divinely revealed inasmuch as gnosis when sought by effort is a shackle and a veil. Such gnosis is non-cognition. It's a nakira, he's saying that, that it's, it's the opposite, in fact, of, uh, of gnosis. Uh, it's the opposite of ma'rifah, ma'rifah nakira, right? You guys all took like first nahu class before everyone bails, right? Uh, again, he who is satisfied with this world without God is involved in destruction and perdition because the whole world is not worth so much as uh, 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 that a friend of God should set his heart on it or that any care for it should enter his mind. Happiness is happiness only when it leads to the giver of happiness. Otherwise, it is an affliction. Again, he who is satisfied with the affliction that God sends is satisfied because the, in the affliction he sees the author thereof and can endure its pain by contemplating him who sent it. Nay, uh, he uh, does not account it painful, such as his joy in contemplating his beloved. Finally, those who are satisfied with being chosen by God are his lovers whose existences and illumination alike in his anger and alike in his satisfaction, whose hearts dwell in the presence of purity and in the garden of intimacy, who have no thought of created things and have escaped from the bonds of stations and states and have devoted themselves to the love of God. Their satisfaction involves no loss, for satisfaction with God is itself a manifest kingdom. Uh, this is the meaning uh, of the uh, uh, the hadith of the Prophet man the person who loves to meet Allah Ta'ala Allah Ta'ala loves to meet that person Sayyidina Aisha in particular asked are you talking about dying because nobody loves to die the point is of Rida is not that you become some sort of like maniac and you're like ah oh, yes I you know like lost my job yes like, like that's, something's wrong with you if, if that's how you are but the idea is if you think of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the other side of dying, literally somebody just texted me this morning. People, mashallah, the taraweeh has its nur, the salat, the, 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 the fast. It's like it kind of jolts the system. All of a sudden a person starts like all the pent up like spiritual uh, uh, housekeeping that they've been putting off for a while. Now they have to get to it. So it like kind of breaks on a person. So they've got to get a bunch of like panic texts today. One of them was, uh, you know, I have this like really morbid thought. Like I don't like the idea of dying. And I feel ashamed of myself, like, what kind of Muslim are you? I don't like the idea of, like, closing my eyes and not opening it again and, like, not being able to get up or breathe or whatever. I said, that's fine. Like, if you like dying, you should probably go see the psychiatrist. If the aslaf, say the Aisha, herself is saying that, like, none of us like to die. And the Rasul Sallallahu said, yeah, that's fine. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the meeting of Allah Ta'ala. When you think of death, um, the contemplation should not be cardiac arrest. It should not be the cessation of brain function or stopping breathing or any of these things. 
you have, a, like as a human being, you have a natural aversion to all of these things. You didn't choose to be averse to them. Allah Ta'ala chose them in you. Like if people who don't have those aversions, they usually die very early because they make like really irresponsible choices and like, you know, people who can't feel pain and things like that, they'll do the craziest things. They'll kill themselves actually uh, because of that. Uh, because they don't, you know, they can't feel any better. Um, so that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is what? Is to see Allah Ta'ala through the other side of it. Okay, you lost your job because, you know, I don't know, because you, you, you grew a beard or because you wouldn't shake hands with a woman or because you, you know, wouldn't take a bribe or because you didn't, like a number of things a person could, I mean, if you lost it because you didn't show up on time, then you should probably set your alarm 10 minutes earlier, right? But, uh, uh, but like, you know, if you'd lost it for the sake of Allah, think about that, that how, how, how um, you know, Allah Ta'ala, how pleased, you know, you'll be to meet him and you'll be able to say, look, you know, I gave this up for your sake. You know, and how, 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 how proud you will be to say that, you know, when the YouTube video of your life is being played again in front of, you know, ala ashhad yom al-qiyamah and the angels and the jinn and everybody, the prophets are seeing. And so, mashallah, you did good. You know, you did good. You make the right decision. You died in such a way. You lived and died in such a way that, that, that you know, people can be proud of you. That people can, you know, there's something to look up to. That's that's alhamdulillah. That's a good feeling. A person shouldn't. It just not. It doesn't seem to be like some sort of like rocket science, Sufi, like rocket, like level twenty uh, marakaba, like that you'll never get to to understand why that that should be good. That you know, you would love that Allah Ta'ala meet you in a way that you have something good to show him, and that he's proud of you and he accepts it from you. Uh, so we continue, inshallah. It says it's related in the tradition, this section. It's related in the traditions that Musa alayhi salam said, Oh Allah, show me an action with which if I did it, you would be satisfied. Allah answered, uh, You can't do it, O Musa. Uh, uh, then uh, Musa alayhi salam fell prostrate, worshiping Allah and supplicating him. And God made a revelation to him, saying, O son of Imran, my satisfaction with you consists in you being satisfied with my decree. Meaning, when a man is satisfied with God's decree, it is a sign that God is satisfied with him. Again, we, don't, we think of it as something we do, but it's actually a product of Allah Ta'ala's choice, not the other way around. Bishr al-Hafi, rahimahullah Ta'ala, asked Fudayl bin Ayyad, uh, both of which the, the previous majlises, you can listen to their, uh, the tabaqa about them, uh, asked him whether uh, zuhd, renunciation, or satisfaction was better. Fudayl asked, uh, replied, satisfaction, because he who is satisfied does not desire any higher stage. I.e., uh, there is above renunciation a stage which the, renuncier, uh, which the renouncer desires, but there is no stage above satisfaction that the satisfied man should wish for. Right? So you're making zuhd, you're like, okay, I'm not going like, to eat and drink, I'm not going to get money, because you're looking for something still. Whereas when you found it, that, that's superior. This is something actually one of the great gifts that Nahu gives, or Sarf gives you, right? The Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, his, his uh, um, name is Muhammad. It's ism maf'ul. So we think of like, you know, like your passive, 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 passivity is like, like being weak. Active participle is where the action's at. Like, I want to have my control of my own destiny, and I want to, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And so, like, I remember reading that. Like, I was like, this is kind of neat, right? You read that in the books of the old Mashaikh. They say, you know, Muhammad is, this is a sign of superiority, that he's the praised one, not the praiser. That he's, uh, This is one of the, one of the, the, the honors of the Messenger of Allah, mentioned in the Quran. That, Dawud alayhi is 
described as that Dawud slew Goliath, whereas the Prophet is uh, described as what? As you're not the one who threw when you threw, like, but Allah Ta'ala threw. Uh, it's a sign of the Kamal of his fana uh, in Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala that Allah Ta'ala attributed to himself the action. So Fudayl is telling Bishr Hafi what? He says that, that with zuhud, when you're detaching yourself from the world, you're seeking something through that detachment. Because nobody does that uh, kind of on their own. Whereas with satisfaction, you don't have anything else left to be desired. You're already happy. Uh, you, are, you already made it. And again, what is, there's, no, like, there's no rocket science with it. Nobody likes going through difficulty, but the one who loves Allah Ta'ala, the, the love carries them through uh, difficulty and gives them satisfaction. He says, hence, the shrine is superior to the gate. What's better, the, the gate of the Haram Sharif or actually being in the Mataf and making Tawaf? Hence, the shrine is superior to the gate. This story shows the correctness of Muhasibi's doctrine that satisfaction belongs to the classes, uh, class of states and divine gifts, uh, uh, not uh, to the stages that are acquired by effort. It is possible, however, that the satisfied man should have a desire. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, used to say in his prayers, O oh Allah, I ask you uh, uh, for satisfaction uh, uh, after uh, the going forth of your ordinance, a rida bil qada, i.e., keep me in such a condition that when the ordinance comes uh, to me from you, destiny may find me satisfied with its coming. Here it is affirmed that uh, satisfaction properly is posterior to the advent of destiny uh, because if it is pre- preceded, it would only be a resolution to be satisfied, which is not the same thing as actual satisfaction. Inshallah. This is uh, enough for today. Allah Ta'ala make us from those who are uh, people of rida with his qada. Sallallahu Ta'ala Rasulih Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.